All right. Uh, do I sound okay? You sound okay. You sound different. Okay. Uh, what about now? It's exactly the same. It sounds like you're talking to Total. an Apple mic in the bathroom with the door closed. Ooh. Well, are you in the bathroom? Close. Are you in the bathroom alone? I'm, not, I'm in my bathroom. Hmm. Uh, Let's see. Let me try something. All right. What about now? Say something. Is it? Uh, what about now? And welcome to the Mock Stars Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Evan Kunai, and I'm here with my two great friends. I'm in person with one of them, Jordan Garcia. <coughs> Hello. I'm and, a little sick today. And across the way, we got Christopher Ritter. Hey, what's up? Across space and time. <laughs> what's up, dude? Uh, it's sad we can't have you here today, but I'm risking it all by staying in the same room with Jordan. Yeah, Evan is cursed in being my roommate where Chris is not and has plans to go to Vegas very shortly. So, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm uh, just uh, hoping and praying that I can continue to work throughout the weekend. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I'm wearing a mask right now. But that's not the reason why you're here. You are here to listen to this episode. And today we have a few spicy topics and one very important subject that we feel is almost necessary to cover because it goes into the spirit. It talks about the spirit of the game and that is the CDH player's guide to having fun. That is what we're going to be talking about today and sort of hopefully constructing a... Uh, just a few bullet points, putting a few bullet points together so that we can construct this guide that players can refer to in the future when they're deck building and thinking about creative ways to build and all that, you know, grid gravy stuff. It, and also it just like sucks to be sweaty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it does. It does. It sucks to like uh, feel like there's no creativity uh, involved in the whole deck building process. Yeah, I mean, Evan and I like to, you know, tournament grind stuff too. Like Evan always brings the creative stuff, but I catch myself net decking and meta focusing and all that stuff because I, I like to, you know, be competitive. But uh, more often than not, we're always finding fun little tidbits to add in our decks. We can't help stop ourselves from like having spicy little like tech and everything like that um, or like having weird commanders that we just find ways to make work. That's always been our, our bread and butter. Totally. And before we get into that, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by, one, joining our Discord community, which is popping off. 100%. Like, yeah, the community is great. They're growing. We're uh, talking about the spoilers that are happening for Commander Masters at the moment. And uh, you can also subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up, like this video, subscribe, and hit the bell for more notifications. Don't forget to rate us on all your podcast platforms. Yep. And you can find us on all major podcasting platforms. Listen to the show. The rate uh, rating the show helps to go helps uh, towards the algorithm and helping new people find us. So uh, now that that's been said, do we have any pregame actions today? Oh boys? hell yeah! You kind of uh, spoiled a little bit. We are going to discuss some of the spicy, spicy Commander Master spoilers we've been seeing. Holy crap! I was excited for this set before anything came out, and I was absolutely right to be. I would like to first say that I called my shot a long time ago, and that we were getting the free cycle of interaction spells. 
and it's coming back, baby. I cannot wait to get a better foil Fierce Guardianship in Japanese. Yeah. It's going to be lit. Have they spoiled uh, the two premier ones, Fierce Guardianship or SWAT? Uh, Deflecting SWAT yet? Not yet, no. We no. Have, we've gotten all the other ones, though. Uh, and the art's looking great. I got to say, across the board, I really love what they're doing with the art. Uh, they're with a, like a selection of the legendary creatures. They've chosen to do this really cool style where they did uh, the Savala's treatment we did a while back. I forget where that came out in. Um, yeah, it's like a silhouette uh, land or like portrait type. Yeah, with like a yeah. like a bright like pop color background. Yeah, they did that with a secret layer with like the Protean Hulk and Ilharg the Razbor, uh That initial. Yeah, uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, little, a, a little bit. The Protean Hulk isn't like I feel like this new treatment is more of like a classic like profile almost. Yeah, yeah. That's like Protean Hulk is kind of a full body thing. Right. That's the I think that is the right terminology for describing like how the cards are like laid out. They are profiles of these like yeah, these legendary creatures that have had so much impact on the game. Yeah, they're almost like like subject paintings or photos, like mm-hmm. just one singular like close up. Like I I guess I love the Urza. Holy shit. The Urza with the hot pink background, dude. I can't I can't imagine that thing. Yep. It looks so good. Uh, uh, yeah, they're doing like, a bunch of if them. If they're your commander or if they're a key card in your deck, like that is definitely the hot treatment. Oh, hundred percent, dude. Yep. Some of them look really great, and I think that some cards actually get better with the treatment, like uh Kaikar. Like the Kaikar art with the uh, with the portrait is Bro, I didn't even beautiful. See the Kaikar, what the fuck? Yeah, you know, and it's you like know? a deck that we've been talking about, like totally actually uh, <laughs> the last couple of weeks, where it's like, is it possible for this to like be competitive or just be a fun deck? And if you had that as your commander, like this profile artwork, oh I, man, oh, I would just be like. Oh my god, dude! You really, you really went all out with that full treatment. Uh huh. You're into it. Did you guys see that Morophon one? That I thought that was <laughs> yeah. Sweet, it's bro. so goofy. <laughs> it, it is, but like oh, it looks great. I, I really just love the art style, and that's not even the only like treatment. Like they're doing a bunch of different things. We're seeing um, Richard King Fer- King Ferguson come back around again. Uh, what was the? He had, oh yeah, he has a couple sick cards. He has, he has a couple like actually really good cards. The Grand Abolisher oh, there man. is beautiful, and then he's also doing uh, Pure Steel Paladin. So yeah, there's like an equipment right, right. subtype here with Hammer Nazan and all this stuff going on. So I'm excited to see what kind of commanders or what cards we get with profiles that actually uh, support that whole like equipment strategy 100%. that they're going for. Like they have Godo. I, I was surprised yes. that we didn't see Godo with a profile because that would have been a sick... Uh, or maybe it's is still that is. supposed to be in the set and just not spoiled or uh, that's a good question go to is in the set for sure yeah TB- tbd on the uh alternate wow i just saw the kai car that is sick it's beautiful um yeah uh so i guess instead of just like let's go like chris what, what are you hot on right now what's uh what's some of the ones you're excited about you know what i love that mckay is the unhallowed yes uh, i feel like the ogr as well as i think there's like a judge foil promo or something uh, it's okay. It's pretty cool. It's it's like a zombie cleric. Uh, it, it represents that well. It's just not like super sweet. And like, uh, so I'm right now hot on Macias plus Walking Ballista as okay. a Hulk pile. Yep. And so I want that Macias to be hot, dude. A hundred percent. Yeah, I really think the uh, wind conditions got to have him foil. Yep. Yep. And I think we're gonna get Walking Ballista reprinted in this set too. There's, That'd be uh, great. I think more than anything, what I've seen from this set is they're actually including two card combos in the set itself. I think they want. These. I mean, it's Commander Masters. Yeah, I appreciate that. It, they are showing like clear focus towards like our format for like one of the few times ever. Like for example, like these this art style, right? We were talking about with all these legendaries, these awesome profile shots, like. 
these are only really good if like maybe they're your commander your really your deck is really focused around it and like you can have a full build around like uh with these kind of commanders um and and you back to the all the way out yeah back to the Micaeus. i actually really i ritter it's such a good uh, card to bring up because like you said the original artwork feels like it's so far away and you have to like really squint in to like see what the artwork is truly depicting and this profile actually gives you all the detail you could ever ask for and yeah. it just it makes the cards like when it, a lot of these cards don't have a lot of impact when they hit the battlefield but now i feel like they have an even greater impact when you play like yeah this Micaeus in particular i'm really excited to see this in foil in my head i just imagine these these single color backgrounds uh just like really popping and like pulling the art out yeah the uh protein hulk and the ilharg that they did uh with the like really bright poppy background on them they glossed them. Mm -hmm. they didn't foil them they glossed them and then foiled the image so it'd be really cool if they foiled like the image of urza and then glossed the background we'll see if that's kind of what they do uh they've done it before i mean they have been getting into like more distinct foiling treatments lately so totally like they did the the raised ink foil for uh phyrexia all we want so it's not beyond their power to to do a glossy uh, cover on the card for sure uh evan what are you excited for i have one card that i'm guessing you're gonna say yeah i think it's just because of the artwork honestly <laughs> also <laughs> the the much needed reprint at the same time yeah i mean this is a card that i spec'd on at launch when war of the spark first dropped i got a ton of these for eight dollars a piece and i've been sitting on them ever since it's finale of devastation I, oh, yeah, I mean, never what's owned. better than one dinosaur in your art? It's three dinosaurs. Yes, in it's your art. Oh, you know? dude. And it's it's such a good art. Yeah, I think it kind of continues that whole style where it's very pop poppy, and uh, the green background is really going to pop and stand out uh, in foil. So I'm, I'm excited to like. Uh, so I have five or six finale of devastations right now in my uh, possession. So I'm going to trade in a few, build up a little store credit with Card Kingdom, and. Uh, hopefully get one of these borderless foils but i have to keep my hands on my pre-release foil that that one's a gem so i'm excited for that and uh there's there's a lot of cards that i think have needed reprints for a long time that are now here and some cards that are getting reprinted into the dirt like toxic deluge was just spoiled that and that smothering tithe yeah we're just getting like tons of reprints on a few of these banger cards which like you know, you know, I have no problem with that toxic deluge. Uh, you know, it's it's a must include in black. Yes, yeah, I totally agree. There's some some cards like they just don't need to be as expensive as they are, and uh, mostly because they haven't gotten a reprint in a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just run down a few of like uh, we talked about like a lot of the great arts and stuff like that, and there are so many more. By the way, I just saw I had no idea this existed. Uh, Stormkiln artist uh, Borderless art. It is freaking awesome, dude. Yep. Um, but let's go through some of like the Big Bang value here that we're getting some reprints on. Uh, spoiled r- pretty close to the set um, getting announced. We have Jeweled Lotus getting reprinted, which is very, very exciting. Feels like a card that nobody's talking about right now. Literally. Um, not only that, but there are two borderless uh, foil variants. Uh, I just noticed this. There's two different backgrounds for these. Yep. I don't know why. I don't know what that means, but I am interested to find out, and I definitely want to buy at least one. Uh, and uh, again, I am fully on board with bringing the price of this stuff down by reprinting all these like rocks and yeah. stuff into the ground. Yeah. When of. did when did uh, Jeweled Lotus come out? Com- Commander Legends. Oh, was that two years ago? It's 2020. Holy crap! That was yep. three years ago. So they three years ago they printed a Commander staple 
and never talked about it again for three straight years. I think that's kind of the cycle we're going to be looking at moving forward is like every three years. I mean, what's the timeline on the the commander, uh, the free cycle? It's actually even a little longer than that. Uh, No, it's the same time. Same time? Yep. It was uh, was a little bit before, right? So the commander 2020 is when those dropped with the Ikoria set. So, oh yeah, um, it was a little bit after. Okay. Yeah. So those dropped in early 2020. And then if you remember right, uh, or if I'm remembering right, this is right when I moved into that apartment and, uh, you know, and we had you, Jordan and Rusty over and we drafted that commander, Ma- or commander yep. legends box. That's right. That's right. Yep. Did not pull any uh, jeweled lotuses. That no way. jeweled lotuses. Um, okay, so yeah, jeweled lotus. I'm definitely going to buy as many foil board lotuses as possible. Hopefully, they're not too freaking expensive because the original is a thousand dollars, or at least was back <laughs> was back in the day. Yeah, the original borderless foil. I think it still is right up there. Here's another exciting reprint. Uh, we talk. It's the Great Henge. Uh, that is getting reprinted, and we're getting an etched foil variant as well. That is super cool because we got uh, the box topper in the Lord of the Rings, but that's just not going to be a meaningful reprint at all. That's right. not going to drop the price yeah, whatsoever. A, a box topper is a box topper. Exactly. And this is yeah. a, a much like needed reprint. A glittering caves, which is the uh, Ooh, gemstone caverns box topper dude, in love, a pack. Love to hear it. So good. it happens. Good job. It can happen. Good job. Yeah. Congrats, dude. That's sick. Um, yeah, so I'm hyped about that because uh, we talk about green being the worst color all the time, but this is still an amazing powerhouse of a card. And I would say that as well as Finale of Devastation are probably two of the best green cards in existence right now. Uh, so great that both of them are getting reprinted because they're both very expensive. Yeah, like to touch on the like meaningful reprints. We oh, use... uh, well... oh, go ahead, Ritter. Sorry, I was just going to say, speaking of green cards that are like super good and super expensive doubling season yeah another reprint yeah it was closing in on being a hundred dollars oh my god one yeah see i don't even know the prices of green cards because i don't even look at them (laughs) yep i looked last week and it was 90 dollars for oh my god uh no that's crazy man yep yeah Uh, so happy it's getting reprinted yeah so meaningful reprints just speaking on that for a second we're now seeing grand abolisher get reprinted and for a long time we hadn't seen a reprint but then we saw it drop in that secret layer and i feel a little duped. I think that uh, Wizards of the Coast has definitely timed their release schedule uh, accordingly. They know what they're doing, dude. It's yeah. happened more than once. Totally. They know what they're doing. But uh, like the secret layer reprints are not considered to be meaningful reprints just as like just as by definition. So now we're seeing mm-hmm. there are also distinct artworks in this case. Yeah. True. Yep. And now we get this Grand Abolisher reprint here. Hopefully that floods the market a little bit. So like right now the secret layer version is about $32. I don't expect it to be $32 anymore after this reprint, but hopefully the base layer, like the base variant of Grand Abolisher can sit around 10 or less. Yeah. Affordable. Uh, yeah. yeah I mean like, especially when there's a, a value, a valued card with one printing a long time ago that everybody wants. And there's a foil variant. That shit is expensive. Yep. That was like a $300 is currently like a $300 card for that grand abolisher. Right. Yeah. The, um, the OG foil. Yeah. It's something it's like, like a hundred. It's like a little less than 200. Okay. Yeah. It's super expensive. Like, yeah. so getting, being able to scoop up one of these it's like, from like M 10, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, huge reprint. Uh, going down here, obviously, we got to talk about it. The freaking Demonic Tutor, baby. We did have a reprint not that long ago, but we did not have this freaking cool of an art. The alternate art, I highly suggest you guys who are listening to go look this up right now. Top five art. I'm, I'm calling it. Yep, it's top five for me, too. Top five. Uh, if, oh, God. Yeah, and, 
so good. Yeah, it's great. And it, Demonic Tutor, too, is a card that the art usually doesn't miss. It usually has a pretty hot artwork. So Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, Actually, that's a very good point. There's a lot of good Demonic Tutor artwork. So to like compete with those and then to go past that and for me to become like potentially like top five of all time artwork has to be really this is tough there's a lot of cards in the running for like great artworks and like demonic tutor has two of the greatest artworks ever made the uh japanese strixhaven uh spell book mystical archive yeah the mystical archive of demonic tutor is crazy bro yeah the foil of that is one of the most beautiful cards you'll ever see in your life and now they see now to see this and be like wow there's something that can compete with that and i could probably afford this one (laughs) yeah you can finally afford it that was i think that was the last reprint for demonic tutor was the mystical archives so and surprisingly those were pretty meaningful there were a lot of cards like they were just flooded with those so which is which is great I want I just, to see more of that. I just want to call this out real quick because we don't really ever get to appreciate the flavor text on cards anymore these days. I just want to read this out for the demonic tutor. Is the knowledge is the knowledge really forbidden because it is dangerous to you, or perhaps because it is dangerous to those who seek to control you? Ooh, mm, delicious! That's beautiful. Yeah, uh, I mean, so I'll be buying that for freaking sure. A uh, card we've been specking on hard that finally gets a reprint. Mangara, the diplomat. Yo. Yep, and he actually was expensive. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I think I paid twenty dollars for my Bordeaux foil. Yeah, same So uh, a little bit much, <laughs> I think, for the card and what it does. We're getting Cyclonic Rift reprint. Needed and clearly. Okay, that's big. Yeah, yep. it, it is huge. It is a commander staple. We talk about it all the time. There is still no answer for Cyclonic Rift. Um, it is pretty much just like the big bad removal spell still and has been for I don't know at least five years, if not longer, at this point. Yep. Um, that's so. A, a card that has that much staying power um, really does need a reprint because that shit was getting expensive. Another blue card, because it's uh, your boy is a blue player over here, Spellseeker, getting a very, very, very meaningful reprint. We get the OG art, which is my favorite art. We're getting an etch treatment, a regular treatment, and I'm going to buy that shit in foil. It's going to be sick. The Borderless is... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and also we get a new art as well in beautiful. Borderless. Very nice. Um, I actually can't decide which one I like more. Maybe I'll just buy one of each. I like the borderless. It's pretty cool. Uh, Ooh, also, uh, all the medallions are getting reprinted. Yes. These, are, these were like, you know, maybe not CDH cards, but EDH cards, 100%. And um, I mean, no, I mean, they show up in some deck lists. Too, that's true. Low, low color decks. Card all- yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. Uh, but these were starting to creep up, dude. They just haven't had a reprint in for freaking ever. Well, I think this is a great rock. Like, Jet Medallion's a great rock for uh, Curic, which is oh, true. very true. much a competitive deck. You're right. I forgot about that. Uh, and Jet Medallion is expensive. Most of these medallions were very expensive. Sapphire uh, is crazy expensive. 100%, dude. Yep. Um, so now we're getting um, we're getting this cool, uh, really cool, like, alternate um, border I'm seeing for all these artifacts. Um, new border for those. Very nice. Yep. Uh, any other cards that you guys want to point out just right off the top of the dome? Um, I think we're still going to get some more spoilers as it comes out here. We get a nice little soul ring, a cool command tower. The immortal uh, sun. Yeah. Finally. Oh, yeah. I want to stop on the soul ring. Uh, yeah, yeah. The soul ring, the borderless variant is uh, awesome. pretty nice. It's really cool, dude. Yeah. And the flavor text is right on point, too. Just like Urza talking about it being a, a planetarium and like... Uh, what do you mean this is like a, a, a diagram? You know, this is like a functional piece of machinery. Uh, I don't have the exact uh, text right on me, but... Yeah, no, I, I probably my favorite soul ring art, except for obviously like Masterpiece, but I'm not going to go buy a Masterpiece soul, soul ring. So um, mm-hmm. I could definitely see picking up one of those. 
Um, I think that's all I got for right now. I'm excited to see what else comes out of the set. Obviously, we're going to get a Fierce Guardianship at some point, and I am so hyped to see what that art looks like. It's F6 season, baby. F6 season. Just keep hitting refresh. Or is that F5? Is that 5 or F6? I don't know. One of those two. Just yeah. keep pushing all of the F buttons until your computer does something. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Time to move into our main topic. The CDH Player's Guide to Having Fun. This is a big one. It's a big one. So I think, uh, starting off, I think this is just how our pod plays. Like, this is naturally how we got here, natural progression, but it's not how everybody naturally progresses, right? Like, we see the time, like, time old story, age old story, EDH pod, casual pod, and then we start, you know, the arms race, we start growing, people start getting more curious about CDH as you, like, min-max your decks and stuff, but it's at, like, an unparalleled rate, right? You know, so there's some feel-bads and everything like that, um... And then there's on the other end of things where you're a CDH player and you get so focused on net decking and playing meta meta decks and um, you don't really allow yourself to have any fun anymore because you're just trying to win all the time. And then every time anybody mm-hmm. comes up with any cool interaction or creative piece, the question is, why would you run that when you could just run Thoracle Demonic Consultation, you know, or like, well, I, why I play mean, this commander for- when you can play this better commander in the same colors? Right. For a lot of people, though, like winning is the ultimate form of fun. Right, which like, I get that, but that's not that's not everybody. Like, there are plenty of podcasts, and like for CDH tournament grinders, right? And there are plenty of podcasts for the diehard casuals out there. But that's not we don't really play either of those that much, honestly. We mm-hmm. we like to play some high power competitive stuff, but we like to drink beers and have fun with our buds at the same time. Uh, so that's kind of what we're talking about is how to get there, how to have fun playing competitive magic. Yeah, I think before we dive too deep into it, we have to understand that. And we do understand this. So uh, while you're listening to this, don't think this is just a blanket coverall for every player that exists in the world. This is, uh, you know, this is our perspective on this and how we've grown as players. And so if this helps you in any way to like find more enjoyment out of magic, to like find your passion in magic, hopefully this inspires you in some way to like build decks that you find are more fun or strategies that more or or better represent who you are as a player. And I think that's ultimately what we're going for here is we are passionate about this game and we're passionate about most aspects of what we do in life. Like we are all food industry folk and like our passion comes through expression. And I think that when you make a deck that with the strategy that you would like to represent, you know, it's like when it really comes together and it flourishes, man, nothing. That is pure satisfaction. Yeah. Nothing says expression quite like that. Like you put your heart and soul into it and now your strategy is expressing itself. And when it wins the game, man, but more, Oh man, totally. But more than that, I think that's actually like what magic is to me. That's like where magic thrives as a card game, as a game is like, you get to fully put your own identity into your deck and stuff like that. Yeah. It's a deck building process. Right. And so, you know, especially in this format more than any other format. Very true. Like Like, that's what this format is about. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, as you go higher up the ranks and try and play it more competitively, you know, you'll trim some of the fat and sometimes you find yourself losing uh, interest in what you're playing because you've cut too much of the fun stuff. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to find that middle ground here. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, when we're approaching our decks, you know, conceptually um, or playing our play styles and everything like that, um, I think it's important to 
obviously you'll have your own, you'll figure out what your play style is, what your colors are, you know, what you like to do. But I think it's really important to start with like a strategy or a combo in mind, like build around either your commander or um, a, a mechanic, a win condition. You need to have something that pushes your deck forward. That way you can have cards that synergize with it. And the, that's where the build around comes from, right? It's not putting dead cards in that only synergize with a commander or whatever mechanic you're trying to like tutor out and pull off. But it's more like, this is what I'm doing. I'm tunneling this towards a win, but it's not demonic tutor for Thassa's Oracle demonic consultation, right? We're, we're trying to, whatever that other aspect is, that flavor aspect for us, that's where like, I think synergy really thrives is like, now all of a sudden your interaction is synergizing with whatever you're doing, right? And then it's just like, that little machine that you start building is one, super fun, and two, I think a lot of times can run away with a game a lot more than, you know, these super lean decks that are only trying to like rog Silas, you know, turn to win. Yeah, find your window and take it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you, you know where to stick your finger and everyone at the table knows where to do that. So it's not necessarily, uh, you know, playing a meta deck. Right, everybody's necessarily going to give you an advantage. Right, everybody because everyone knows how to defend against it. One hundred percent. Everybody has interaction with their, in their hand, right? We all freaking we mulligan. We mulligan for yep. it, right? But if you're not putting, you know, the wind condition on the stack on turn two, and instead you're developing this fun fairy board state that happens to make a killing machine on turn four, like it's probably you're probably going to get there a lot of the time. Yeah, I think more often than not, you're you're more successful doing that than you are like hyper focusing these known strategies. I think you can lose a lot of focus by uh reading collective thoughts on like reddit or through like edh rec and stuff like that where holy god please soon, stop looking at edh rec as soon as a card comes out or as soon as a new card with a new line of text comes out immediately the entire community will go well this is a two card combo with this card and so when you play that card everybody has read that and everybody knows that one plus one equals two. So people are going to know when to interact with it. And they're going to like thought like they're going to think tank the whole thing and like really uh, find ways to stop you uh, if that's what you want to do, if that's like the line you're trying to walk. But if you can create a strategy that starts low and this for me as a player and we all start in different spots, like your journey to your preferred strategy is going to start somewhere it's not going to start in the same spot for everybody, but mine started really low. Like I started with strategies that weren't refined and then I'd sort of just like cut things away and add cards that I thought were more fun. So like in Xerus, one of my favorite cards is Psychic Corrosion. So the whole strategy is sort of built around that and it's like I need to draw cards because when I draw cards, it mills people and so on and so forth. Your commander so, naturally wants to draw cards and you start leveraging that and then you build the synergies from there. And I like snakes. So Snacks easy, cool. easy. It, it all works. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, but when it comes down to like Naya and playing uh, Shalai and Halar, it was actually uh, going into trying to build into a competitive mentality that like led me to find my truest expression, like how to build decks that I like to play and I enjoy. I, I get fulfillment out of them. And Zakama really brought it home. Like, I remember first building that deck and it was just like value Naya stuff, like good stuff. And then I just started seeing all these like enchantment synergies. And Jordan had been playing with a Layla at the time that I built the first round of the deck. And he played a Sarah Sanctum against us. And I was just like, 
Whoa. Okay, that's a good card, right? Sarasang was really cool. Well, you know, this is a comic cares about land, so if that land can tap for five mana, like, great, I can get this a combo that much easier, that much sooner. So I started looking at uh, enchantment strategies and found that a lot of the cards that I really enjoyed, like Sylvan Library, which I hate now, but uh, were enchantments. So I started building into that realm, and then with Modern Horizons 2, uh, Sanctum Weaver came out, and all of a sudden I just got this huge boost to my strategy, and uh, eventually, I played Zakama to uh, what I believed was the highest point it could go. And then Shalai and Halar came out, and it was changing out a few cards, but my strategies could still exist and still flourish within that deck. It just had A plus B, you know, which yeah. was Shalai and Halar and the Red Terror, and yeah. I win the game. That's a really cool thing. Is like not all the, t- all the time it's like you have to build around the commander and stuff like that to make it, you know, the full thing. Sometimes you just get there like how by any means you've just developed your your deck you know the mm-hmm. cards you want to see the systems the machine i would i call it you know uh and you can plug and play in a commander swap out five cards and you know it might actually work better sometimes yeah especially when new cards get printed that's super exciting for me like when you've like synergized a deck fully and then you see something that's like i actually like this is a new slot in the deck it has to go in right now like yeah. that's always very exciting for me. Like uh, you know, seeing like Orcish Bowmasters for the first time, I was like, whoa, that's gonna go in a lot of decks and it's gonna take, you know, like people are gonna find the slot for that like right away. Yep. One ring, same thing. Yep. Um yeah, Chris, what about you? Like, um what's your approach on that? Like uh focusing any strats or combos when you go for like for Dina, I know you like to play Dina. Honestly, uh my starting point for Dina was that I bought a Japanese uh set boost box of Strixhaven and I pulled a foil Dina and I was just like it, it was just I I was just intent on building around. I love her, that. You know? That's a great answer. You know, there there wasn't necessarily any strategy behind it and you know, so I went to the uh despised decklist database and uh searched <laughs> for Golgari commanders and like different strategies and you know, saw a lot of grist. I uh, saw a lot of, uh, you know, probably for roles, uh, the Star Striped is the closest thing, you know, all that sort of, you know, you're you're going to play a reanimator strategy in Golgari uh, decks or you're going to play uh, Protean Hole combos, right? Um, so I went towards Protean Hole combos because it just seemed uh, more fun, uh, I-, I think, you know, because that's what we're talking about, how to have fun still, right, while still trying to win. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and Protean Hulk, just the convoluted lines and the, uh, weird cards that you got to play that you don't find in other decks, uh, is kind of what attracted me to it. Yeah. Um, you had some new cards come out like activated sleeper, which like totally took the strategy to like made it more fun for you. I remember how hyped you were. Not only more fun, but also significantly stronger. Yeah. Because that is such a good card in Hulk piles. Mm hmm. Because it just because it went from you know uh, with Protean Hulk you would have to go for one pile basically that would win and um, it would be a little fragile. Now with Activated Sleeper you could go for you know essentially you know Dose into the Fallen Leaf or something much better than that uh, at three CMC and then you know get a second pile out of it which gave you some resiliency some reach and also just added some more antics to it right M- more things game actions to have fun with add more antics to your deck is what we're saying yeah yeah like little tricks like uh things that work for you maybe not for everybody else and i um 
know that watching and commentating on this last tournament, the uh, Surfside Invitational, was a great opportunity to watch a lot of players and how they, you know, the champion, Atlas, has one card that he swears by that everyone tells him to take out of his deck, and it's Cloud Shift. And you're just like... Why? Why Bro, are you playing that? The week going into that tournament, like leading into it, Atlas posted on our Discord, hey, here's the deck. I'm getting ready for a bunch of tournaments coming up. Let me know what you think. And I was like, bro, these are like five cards I think you should cut immediately. Cut to us spectating him in like the top three games leading into the finals to him winning the finals. And I saw every single one of those cards I told him to cut come into play and help him win the game. Yeah, Cloudshift, he he runs this like crazy uh, Gilded Drake package yeah. where it's like he can reanimate and steal gilded drake back and stuff like that so uh cloud shifts is the only card of its type that says exile the creature and then return to the battlefield under your control so he can take control of somebody else's thing and then abuse the, yeah. the etb steal a dock side and flick yeah that and, and stuff like that it, so. yeah you can do some really cool yeah, stuff that way you know i i can't read his mind but gotta assume that like things like that these lines that he has that are you know come out of ne- maybe suboptimal choices for the 99 like being able to play those to his advantage that is probably some uh, you know a, a good deal of fun to him in these tournaments oh yeah totally i think it's a ton of fun but i also think it's like they're silver bullets they're secret weapons you know like people don't know how to handle it people undervalue them um or like secret tech is huge you yeah. don't know how to value it exactly you know like you're saying yeah exactly right like you know we all know to com or counter like the underworld breach or whatever the ad nauseum but it's just like the vendillion click goes through no problem right yeah no one yeah, sees exactly it. <laughs> so 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 let's go back to like commenting on the tournament what we saw again and again was the politics of the table like you know players would play a card and everyone at the table would agree that they needed to respond to this 100 and I thought, that's but what... if you have secret tech it just goes through and then you know you would see the the win go through this secret tech that everyone just overlooked that's why i think it's so hard to like or like yeah it's so unrealistic to like have these hard and fast like rules set in stone like you got to play these cards because these are the best cards and if you're not playing those you're not playing cdh because there's just too much politics at every table like weird decks win cdh games all of the time yep so you can't tell me that like yeah sure we can net deck and we can probably up our average up our win rate by playing kenrith and when uh, uh and stuff like that right but like all of the time people undervalue these cards because they don't see them and they don't respect them yeah, this comes mm-hmm. down to... And as, that's probably... Yeah. Oh. Oh, I was going to say, as a builder, as you're building these decks, it's the mentality that you like you bring into like building it. How do you want yourself to be... like? How do you view yourself? And a lot of the time, it's like almost like I'm choosing a sub-optimal commander like Shaline Halara. I could play Rocco, and I know that Rocco is like the ideal Naya commander, but like I can play Shalai and Halar and see a lot of the things that I like happen and uh, know that like I'm playing suboptimally and sort of an underdog mentality. Totally. And also like that's what a great way to like flip over your commander at a CDH tournament and be completely disregarded. Like, you know, fly under the radar. You yeah. flip it over and like everybody's like, all right, I am not worried about you. That's exactly where I want to be, you know? Right. Like when you flip yeah, over it, it, it gives you from it gives you an advantage from turn zero because like they don't know how to mulligan into what you're gonna do. Politics from the beginning, from before you even start, when you in the deck building process, there's politics in this format. And I think that's what's super cool about it. That's what we're talking about today. Um one thing I want to talk about kind of as a big concept for this is, you know, we talk about it all the time in a lot of like creative outlets in, in life is just 
restrictions build creativity, right? Or lead to creativity. If you put restrictions on yourself, you find creative outlets. You know, that is usually how I can narrow myself down to like committing to something and coming up with something creative is that I have some limitations somewhere. Um, so picking a commander, like, you know, um, you guys had a few examples. Like I like uh, Paco and Halden, right? Uh, that's a deck that wants extremely few creatures in it, right? Because Paco can't do anything with creatures. So I built a deck that only plays two creatures. Initially, it was Leveler and Thassa's Oracle, so I could uh, Divergent Transformations into it. That alone is a huge deck building restriction, right? Like I have to find a lot of cards to fill out that 98 um, that are not creatures. That typically I would put creatures in there. Um, but yeah, because what, what's the color identity there? That is, uh, it's a uh, teamer. Um, teamer. So uh, you have, I don't know. There's probably 20 slots that might be like, yeah, just like you can't automatic slots in most in those colors. Yeah, like anybody playing teamer net deck CDH, you know, you'd like dockside, you know, all your dorks yeah. and stuff like that. It was like spellseeker, displacerkin. You can't play any of those cards. So you got to go find different cards that are not those, you know, you start looking into planeswalkers and all these cool, like different interactive pieces that nobody would ever play, but you have the slots now. And all of a sudden nobody expects a bribery coming out and, you know, stealing a hallbreaker horror and shit like that. Like some of these cards just go crazy. Yeah. No, well, you said displacer kitten, but I know that that's one of your two creatures now. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, a little side note, uh, fun update to that deck, uh, was displacer can getting, uh, with the printing of the new Itali, I can now take out two very bad creatures and put in two very cool creatures. Yeah. And I think that expresses who you are as a player even better than it did before. Yeah. It's like leveler and Thassa's Oracle is just like this clear cut, cold hearted way to win. Necessary evil to have yeah. a, a win condition yes. essentially. Uh, but yeah, now it's actually like super fun and rewarding. Yep. Uh, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, and like, for example, like I love playing Grixis, right? So it's like, all right, we're playing Kess, we're playing, you know, Rogsai, like we talked about before. Uh, we've seen it a thousand times. But like, I really like Unhello. I think Unhello has tons of CDH potential because twinning a spell essentially makes it uncounterable at a CDH table. Right. Um, Which, and, and if you're going the, down that path too, in your Inhello deck, I see so much tech that are just like cards that I'm constantly asking you like, hey, can I read that? Because I've just never seen it before. Yes, dude. I have no knowledge of this. 100%. Like, and then, like, that speaks to more like, you know, politics in the deck building process because like you go to that table, there's so much mental overload and information at a four player game, especially in CDH where it's just grinding and so much going on you're not going to remember every card you've never seen and had to read right there. Like you're like, let me read that real quick. Okay, cool. And move on and stuff like that. It's just not going to have that same impact where like you've lost to a card a bunch of times. And so you already respect it. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, like, I think that unique tech that comes through with like brings the, you know, like everyone has their guard up and it actually takes their guard down to like sit there. If they have to read it cause they don't know what it does, their guard is down like flat out. Mm -hmm. So, and like for a card for me is cinder vines where like everyone reads it and they're like, Oh yeah, I remember when this came out and then three mana, two mana. Yeah. Green and a red yeah. for an enchantment, which is, Ooh, spoiler. Uh, I love enchantments. So an enchantment that comes down that whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, it deals one damage to them. It's probably the most common type of spell. People don't like playing creatures, in cdh so much so uh deals one damage to them it's a red source that deals damage it combos with red terror beautiful yeah exactly. love to see it that talks about like you know the synergies we were talking about like yep. you you focus it and then you find the things that just happen to go along with it that actually have huge impacts in games every like, time i've Cinder cast it awesome yeah every time i've cast it people have been like what's that do again yeah. you know and then they there's like yeah it's fine whatever right if you're net decking 
it would make no sense to put it in there. Right. But, you know, in that day, it makes so much sense. And actually just that effect is really good. Yep. When it comes together and you finally see it on the battlefield, you're like, wow, I've been hit 10 times by that freaking center vines. You know, my life total starting to get a little low. Yeah. Sometimes I'd go far enough to say, like, you put it in there because it synergizes in a deck and then you see how good it is. And you're like, I could put that in other decks where it doesn't necessarily synergize as well as this deck because it is actually just a better effect. than Yeah, just a good card. And it has removal stapled to it. So that's another benefit to the whole to the whole thing um i mean i think that my one of my new spicy pieces of tech not it's not spiteful banditry which i think is a great card and it's a great enchantment i'm actually going to play seal of fire instead in shalai halar because it's a red source of damage it's a one mana enchantment that just allows me to sacrifice it to deal two damage to any target so it triggers the red terror gets me that and then also kills an opposition agent if i'm going for tutoring for you know like my win condition so Uh, great little spicy piece of tech that is unique to pretty much my list alone. Nobody, I don't think anybody's playing it. So, yeah, I, I think we're firm, firmly in the subject of uh, secret tech right now. Ritter, do you have any like uh, secret spicy tech that that you like in your uh, your CDH uh, deck? Um, not like particular cards, but I did recently uh, look into Croxa. Uh, I think the list is called Seared Sausages. Um, <laughs> Huge fan yeah. already. Let's go. Yeah, and and I, you know, I I want to play Crooks. Like I played Crooks in Smallpox briefly in Modern, um, also in Standard. A beast of a card. Mm-hmm. Just not really. I don't see it so much in in EDH or, or especially CDH lists. Um, so with the opportunity to play the card as your commander, uh, you know, as a World Gorger combo deck. Right. Uh, is super attractive to me but you know the the standard list and uh i pulled it up and probably at this point swapped out like 25 cards just to you know oh, nice. personalize it and and make it play m- maybe not as optimally uh in general for for any pilot but for me uh a better deck because it it now plays the way i would like to play totally and there's something to speak about that too it's just like you can rip a deck and like do a terrible with it even if it's a good deck because you didn't build it and it's just not how you like to play it. yeah all these tam all these tam lists i see out there in the wild that are like winning tournaments i look at the list and i just go who are you and how did you win these games right you know it's like there's just different people it's like 50 different yeah. cards than your tam list right a few years ago. exactly <laughs> yeah and i think chris like that totally speaks to like and like to anybody out there who's like maybe like you're kind of bored or you're looking for like a new deck or maybe you've been doing what i was doing and just like grinding too much and like uh cutting all the fun stuff from your deck is like take a step back find that like creative restriction for yourself like chris you really liked smallpox so now you found a way to turn that into a competitive edh version right you picked a commander mm-hmm. and you're in a two-color commander deck that is uh, a unique you know different kind of strategy so you're gonna have tons of cards that people are not used to seeing i'm guessing in that deck yeah for sure and, it, and it's like one of those things too uh by pursuing a commander that has something different to it, that's not just like some sort of value engine right. or some sort of uh, combo piece plus value engine in the command zone, um, even though it is kind of that, uh, you know, it, it it brings up other tech. Like it's just you know, totally. there's cards that are must includes in your standard list in your standard list because they're just the boring cards that you go to in those colors. Um, like, how much of Kenrith do you think is solved? out of those 99 cards almost none of them right 
or, or maybe a lot of them like Dockside, you know, is always going to be there. And there's mm-hmm. a few loops that you can just like for sure say there, but there's, there's, I feel like there's still a lot of slots available depending on how you want to play the game. There are a lot of slots available mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, that is just the, the nature of the beast with five color, but I think at the same time, like there's 60 plus cards that are just going to be in every single five color deck on the CDH DDB. Yeah. And, and by a lot, I mean more than five, you know, that's yeah. like, I think when you talk about like we've, floated the concept of like the top 300 right if you want to play in cdh it's not that you have to play by the rule uh, play by that book the entire time but you know having 60 percent of your deck contain cards from the top 300 is probably you know going to lead to more success yeah i mean better cards make better decks yeah like, uh, dockside should be in every deck almost because it just it's kind of just that good right yeah, exactly. But like, not only are you bringing like a different commander to the table and maybe different, uh, like a color, a uh, color to the table that is not like super common at CDH pods. We like as many colors as possible typically, but you're also bringing a, a new mechanic to the table. Like a lot of people do not know how to deal with the discard strategy, um, especially in CDH. So like that is a whole different, like axis that you're playing on, uh, and the political side of things too, that I think you can really warp to your favor as well. Um, and also, I think is just super fun at the same time. Like that mm-hmm. is like the perfect crossroads between like competitive and strong mm-hmm. and fun. You're building a unique uh, deck with tons of unique cards. You're not going to be able to just like take five cards out of your other CDH deck and throw that together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And at least consistently see those cards like have an effect on the overall strategy. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like some weird ass cards are going to be like your favorite things to tutor up in that deck. Yep. Uh, and that's, for me, that's like the bread and butter. Like that, that is where we have the most fun. I think we uh, have a great time at our tables because we're all tunneling this, right? We're all trying to win, but we're also always having a good time. We're like, we're always surprising each other with new cards, new strategies, new mm-hmm. decks, new commanders. I mean, it, it feels, it feels good to lose to fun tech, right? Yeah. And like, like, it feels good to win with your weird ass deck too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it feels really bad to lose to Yoshi Kettis because <laughs> it happens so fast. When you, you know, think like, your deck is better, yeah. <laughs> you just die oh, oh, in turn okay. four. You know what? I, I should uh, you know, I should have just talked about that deck because that deck started with uh, me looking at Slicer and being like, oh, that's a fun idea. That's a really fun idea. Make this mm-hmm. game go super, super fast. Just pressure right. everyone's life total. Playing um, on a completely different access, right, access again. Yeah. And and just you know, think looking, being like, oh, opening up something, opening up in my brain, like, oh, that's that's a way you can do this at this level and have success. Um, but then looking at other ways to do that, like Yoshimaru, it's just it's a dog. <laughs> like that's that's why I'm playing the card. Like <laughs> he it's, ain't it's just, just any dog though. It's it's a, it's a very special dog, a very handsome and charismatic dog. You'd say a one man a <laughs> dog and a two man a lizard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a dog and a lizard. It's stupid. It's goofy. I call the list dog toys. Um, and and it plays all those powerful cards. Like, you know, it plays Professional Facebreaker. It plays Dockside. It plays Ragabond. It plays those things. But it pressures in a way that is slightly different from Slicer. And it does it on an axis that, like, being, you know, I, I think for me, the goofy axis of it, like, is what makes that deck fun for me. Totally. But it's also, like, a deck that I don't mind playing against some of your other like super high powered decks. And you've I mean, swept like, us with I, that I, I deck. I still have a chance right here. Oh, hundred percent. You have swept us multiple times with that deck. Yeah. It's surprising how quick it goes, you know, and that's, I think that's 
kind of goes along lends to its like goofiness because you know you can play cdh for a long time and never see that deck but as soon as you sit down across from it and you go huh that's cute you know or like hey that looks like a fun thing and you take a hand like you shuffle up and you don't quite know what the deck does across from you and so you take a hand that's going to flourish on turn four turn five you have a little bit interaction you're focusing on your own deck because you're not you're not threatened right but then as soon as it's turn three and you've got a five five yoshi and a kettis on the four yeah. on the board and all of a sudden it's just like oh my god my i'm already at what 22 like it's kind of crazy where it right. just happens so quickly and you're like i'm not even set yeah. up yet yeah i, I cut I the turn like two commander mulligan hand, towards uh interaction for yoshimaru now yeah. every time you see it mental got misstep up. is what i mulligan for. <laughs> 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 yeah actually that's a very good point and our, our next bullet point here is uh in in building these decks we're having a ton of fun but you got to play interaction we say it all the time we've had a different podcast completely dedicated to this you got to play interaction in your deck especially if you're competing in these levels we're talking removal as important as uh fighting on the stack here yep and we know that blue is like most is notorious for having like the most or the largest amount of like free interaction on the stack but when you're not in blue you do have to find other creative ways to interact with it whether it's through like stacks or your own like you know reprieve is now like this yeah. new white spell that's just like sort of allowing uh those players to interact on the stack and control the game or control yeah. the tempo sometimes removal is just as good as countering it yes um but that's a good point i didn't even think about stacks as another as another form of interacting like that yeah i, I don't think a lot of people classify stacks as interaction but, but it totally is it's static interaction it yeah, yeah a lot of times you just don't see the interaction right like the the thalia attacks you don't see the cards they're not casting and i think on arena yeah, ex- exactly because you're not seeing the things that aren't happening that's the nature yeah. of stacks. Yeah. Well, you're, you're interacting a ton. It. yeah yeah like on arena it does a really great job of indicating what is staxing you out yeah. like uh when i play rampaging ferocidons in my historic goofy menace to society deck it's uh another fun deck that i love to play because when i'm playing against life gain and i put rampaging ferocidon down it actually uh emits this red aura whenever they nice. try to gain life and it goes wah 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 you know I'm like <laughs> no yeah that's like painting a target on it <laughs> if, if that actually happened in real life no deafening silence would sit on the board Right. If you played one non-creature spell and then all of a sudden the deafening silence in the corner of the play mat went, wah, 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 this is wah, your wah. issue. This is the yeah, problem. This right is here. the problem. <laughs> like it, it would warrant removal more often than it does. But like deafening silence again, another piece of interaction that just like says, I'm going to slow this game down and I don't have to waste resources from my hand to do it. hundred percent. And yeah, I think this circles back to the whole synergy thing we're talking about, right? Is like, there's tons of different kinds of interaction, whether it's on a stack, whether it's removal, whether it's stacks, and you just got to find what fits in your colors and also what fits with your commander and your strategy that you're trying to do. Like, Chris, if you're on the Kroxa list, just focusing discard is a, is a very good form of interaction. If I don't have any cards in hand, I can't do shit. So you just tunnel, well, tunnel it's also a necessity commander. of like you, you have to look at the colors you're in. It's a necessity of those colors because if you're in black and red, you have excellent remove, you have you know, great direct damage. Mm-hmm. You have great uh, creature removal. Um, you have some pretty good uh, planeswalker r- removal, uh, which is not necessarily relevant in CDH uh, so much. Um, but besides feed the swarm, your enchantment removal is lacking. Besides a braid and vandal blast, uh, your artifact removal is, is lacking. Um, so you, you do have Our to like force? lean to that discard thing to proactively 
get rid of those cards before they hit the board because you can't interact on the stack and you can't interact once they're on the uh, the battlefield. Exactly. Yeah, there's a few, like, obviously there's, like, Tibble's Tricker and stuff like that, but you cannot rely yeah, on yeah. those cards. Like, there's so few and far between. Like, you need to build it into your strategy, into the synergies uh, that, you know, you're just going to interact inherently by doing what your deck wants to do. Yeah, these are mm-hmm. cards that... Um they exist but uh they sort of break the color pie in how they you know like they're old cards like red elemental blast and power blast which are yeah, just exactly. like I, I, yeah they're in the yeah, list but they're um, circumstantial but, is the problem yeah but like that's that's the thing because like you know interacting on the stack for me is not man it, it's suboptimal like yeah, I, I it's not always what you want to do i would rather stacks it out and prevent it from happening than stop it from happening when it's happening or deal with it when it's on the battlefield you know right. and i think this is really the interesting thing that like comes in for me that comes into like the deck building aspect is you know you're analyzing all the stuff as you're building it you're looking like very like dynamically at your commander and like the future games you're going to be playing the like the the texture of the tables that you see a lot of the time and you're gonna need to figure out like what is the thing that's causing you issues i'm trying to have fun while competing What's stopping me from having fun right now, right? Because I can't do shit. It's like you need to have that in your deck and it needs to work in your deck for what you're trying to do. Yeah, and part of the fun of playing the game and and, uh, talking about interaction is solving the puzzle that stands before you. Right. So like sequencing everything properly or or maybe just like tutoring for the right card. And, And sometimes you don't put the right card in your deck and that's just sort of like living with that decision. And then you come back around to the deck building process. You include those things so the next time you can tutor for it. Um I think that for me, a lot of the fun is like seeing a board state where I'm, I'm hella confused. <laughs> you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. how do I, how do I win? Yeah. You know? And then you're thinking you're rolling through and you know, you're tutor, you know, you're going for a fetch land, but at, at the same time, you're also like looking through your library for like, like, what's in this deck again? Well, yeah. What, what did I put in here? Cause, uh, I mean, part of the skill of going to a tournament is knowing exactly what's in your deck. <laughs> um, famously, yeah. famous last words. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I think mentality as far in like uh, playing interaction, it's being knowledgeable and educated about like the game and you have to see reps, like reps on reps on reps on reps on reps. When those reps Mm -hmm. aren't, when those reps aren't fun, you're not learning a lot. It's so like building interaction suites into your decks that like more reflect who you are. Like Atlas is, you know, cloud shift for, for instance is, when we were playing together, I looked at him across the table and, you know, like this form of politics, or I looked at him, I said, find something that's going to fight on the stack because I have interaction, but I need you to be able to help me. And he goes, okay. Uh, and so he flickers his spell seeker and goes and goes and grabs a cloud shift or he reanimates it and he grabs a cloud shift. And I was like, Atlas, what the hell is that going to do? That's not a counter spell. Yeah. <laughs> but it ended up it ended up fighting on the stack just as well as something else that he would have tutored for. So like that uh, secret but tech, it was his sauce? way of fighting on the stack. Exactly. exactly. So when you can find that unique yeah. little piece, uh, you know, for me, it's Cinder Vines. For Atlas's Cloud Shift. For, um, you know, everybody else, they have all their little things. Uh, you know, like Seal of Fire for me right, right now is a card I'm hot on. Mm-hmm. An older card that just uniquely interacts with creatures on the board or interacts with faces. I know we're calling it Secret Tech, but I would like to retroactively call it Secret Sauce. <laughs> uh, I'll agree to that. Yeah, yeah, Secret Sauce. It's the Secret Sauce. It's the, it's, you know, it's what makes our deck... A full sandwich. Yeah, and yes, and to point to like 
rewind a little bit back to, um, you know, like restrictions make for better deck building or they make for more creative deck building. Like being in the food industry, for me, one experience that helped me grow and this helps uh, magic reflects a lot in my life. And uh, this job I had taken in Alaska was every day or every two days we have a new group of guests in, like all private guests coming in. And every time a new group would come in, I would get a sheet full of dietary restrictions for everybody going there. Bingo. And so as a chef, as someone creating this experience and like crafting this experience for a large group, you want to make everyone feel included or that they're none the wiser. And that's how you actually craft more intricate strategies that people can't see like you know if they can see the matrix and they can see exactly what you're doing you failed you you've revealed your hand sort of uh in a way so instead you just built a menu that accommodated everybody someone had yeah if someone had celiac disease it it didn't matter if it was one person out of the 20 people the whole menu would be gluten-free and it'd be a challenge to myself to see if anyone else could notice yeah for the non-gluten-free people to just have a normal meal to them yeah exactly you know, so that they don't feel excluded or singled out or anything like that. So if you're just building a deck that has a strategy where it's going to like, uh, there was one time I was playing Dwarven, uh, Thematurgist or whatever. And Jordan was playing, Do- uh, Doran the Siege Tower. Oh, God. <laughs> I literally only played it to kill Jordan's God. Thing. <laughs> Our last bullet point that we're about to get to is mentality, and I have right after it. Don't let salt happen. Brace for impact. And yeah. I, I was fucking salty. Yep. That was, that was brutal. I played it, and then Jordan just looks at his commander <laughs> and then looks at me, and he goes, you know, that just kills my commander only, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's that exactly funny. why I'm playing it. Um, that was our budget commander league. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So last little bit here, guys, uh, before we wrap it up, I think it's super important to have a good mentality going into like the deck building, especially like just know what you want out of it. Right. We, we clearly know what we like to play where we're at. Right. Like we go to these tournaments. Sometimes we bring the meta decks. Sometimes we just bring our fun decks and we, we see how well we do against those meta decks. Right. Sometimes more often than not, we're just playing with our pod where we like to bring that creative secret sauce, but we still have the interaction. We still have the win conditions. We still push for the, for the dub all the time. Um, so I think it's really important to have that mentality, like know where you're at in the game, know where you're And then, uh, I was going to say this earlier. I think it's, I really hope this is a good episode, not only for you to maybe get, um, some like creative inspiration for deck building moving forward, but maybe also to have some like vernacular and some verbiage to bring to your pod. If you, or you, uh, a few other people are maybe scaling up in power level and you're trying to get there a little bit. Maybe you have, you just want people to say secret sauce. Yeah, exactly. I want you to say secret sauce and I want you okay, to, got you know, it. I want people to be able to like, you know, take that step up. Cause I know it can be hard and I know there can be some growing pains a lot uh, when, you know, some people like to min max more than others. And some people just like to, you know, play 10 lands and drop a 10 drop, you know? Yeah. Um, when the conversation circles around, uh, cards that are helping make your strategy better, I think is like when you when you go into like the thought like the thought tank process or a think tank process with your friends and you're talking about like the secret sauce and what can you do and um you know you might be talking about cutting a card that is a staple in a lot of strategies like um David was talking about uh, at this last tournament in. Uh, Idaho was talking about his Tivit list and how he really loves Leyline of Anticipation. Wow. Right. Yeah. You don't and, see that a lot. No, you don't see it a lot. And how he wants to be able to fit it in because a lot of the time he would like to be in a in a position where it's land pass. Mm-hmm. Land pass. And if he can cast Tivit on somebody's end step or something like that, so he can get two triggers back to back, 
you know? Oh yeah, totally. You know, like that is the place that he wants to be. And so that's the type of strategist he is. And like now he's found a card that if by chance you have it in your opening hand, you get it on the battlefield for free, helps him win more games. Sometimes I'll just pay fourth for that shit. Right? Does that feel suboptimal? You know, if you're in the colors, it's the same cost as a Vidalcan Orrery that has no chance of coming into the <laughs> battlefield for free. True. So, um, yeah, I, I think that like when you're able to have those conversations where it's like, I really like this card and I think it's going to help my strategy. And then people, if someone says, nah, dude, you know, like that's just a suboptimal why, card. Why don't you just play this instead? The key to having fun and like really sussing out these strategies as a player is going to be reps, right? You ha- like this is not easy work, right? You can't yeah. just put this card in and then expect it to do everything that you're gonna want to, you know, want to see it do. Nor is your fun new deck just gonna roll the table every time it shows up, <laughs> right? So when you when you show up and you play this, you have to be ready to not see that card for the next 16 to 29 games. Yeah. You know, there's just that chance that RNG allows that, you know, for it that you do not see that card because it doesn't, you know, one, it doesn't come to you naturally through card draw or it isn't what you're tutoring for because it doesn't meet the conditions of this current board state. So, uh, you know, you got to put in the work. You got to see, you got to see it through and you really have to like uh, test it out. So when you're thinking about a card, just give the, you gotta have a little patience, you know, and give it the, the room it needs in order to like truly see if it is the thing. But you know, there are times I've cut cards after not seeing them for so long because I'm seeing different problems that now that card that I haven't seen hasn't influenced my game at all. I would rather stop the thing that's been stopping me and take that fun card out for that thing. So I can see other strategies flourish too. Totally. So. And to me, that's like, you can only do that when you've built the deck, when you like, that is your deck, you know, you know, it inside and out because you've, you've built it. You, you've known every synergy, you've put it all together and you've seen it a thousand times. Like mm-hmm. that's the most satisfying thing is just like, this isn't working. This is stopping me from having fun. This new thing came out. Like all of these things like twisting and like changing and evolving your deck into like that super personal deck. Yeah, like uh, Shalian Halar deals one damage whenever a plus one plus one counter goes out under the board, for, like on a creature I control. I'm not playing six cents, even though I think it's a great card. It's one mana that whenever my commander deals damage, I draw a card, and it would draw me three cards. It's kind of crazy, or no? I don't. No, it's only target opponent, so it draws me one card. Right? That seems like pretty efficient card draw off of something, but it I have to then change the whole build around, and it just it if I wanted to do that, it would just take time. You know, and uh, if that's something that I really wanted to do and I wanted to see that and I wanted to see more card draw. But um, unfortunately, I don't have that patience. And that's <laughs> part of the point. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys got anything else? Any other thoughts? I got nah, one, I got one. Thought I'd, I got one note I'd like to wrap us up on. What's that? If you are one of the people that likes to comment on anybody posting about cool tech, secret sauce or new commanders, and your response inherently is, why don't you just play X because it's better? I want to reach through your computer screen and slap you in the face. <laughs> shut well, I mean, shut that's, your mouth. That's like the thing. Shut there's, your mouth. Nobody way. needs to hear your opinion. Give it a chance. Like you have to be open, I think, as a player to give every card a chance because, uh, you know, for a long time, I, you know, when Kyle first showed up with his Jota deck and I saw all of his partner with like stuff and I was like, this is suboptimal but then he slapped me across the face with it and won like multiple games in a row you gotta give it a chance you can't like yeah you just gotta give everything that opportunity to uh 
see it through. Yeah. And even if it's not the greatest of the great, we're talking about CDH Player's Guide to Having Fun. This is a game we like to have fun, and it is all about building into your personality. People relate to these decks, right? So keep your mouth shut if people get some new cool tech that they're excited about, and you just say, play Najila. Yeah, you are gatekeeping at that point, and you are being a bad, bad friend and a bad competitor, and... You're stifling that creativity, dog. Yeah, stifling that creativity. I think that's, Jordan, that is the point that I think we all need to make and is our consensus that this is a game. We're here to have fun, dog. Full stop. All right, guys. Well, that was fun. That was a great, uh, great pod. I hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to join our Discord server. The link will be down below in the description. If you'd like to support the channel, you can do so by following us or subscribing to us on YouTube and all major podcasting platforms. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for more notifications on YouTube and leave a review for us on all major podcasting platforms. goes a long way to supporting us. Question for the listeners out there. Comment down below. What's your secret sauce? Yeah, what are you what are you teching out right now with your uh, commander of choice? Yeah, post it in the, the YouTube or come in our Discord and uh, say what's up. Talk about it in the Brew Buddies. Yes, sir. Let's chit chat. All right, great app, guys. Great app. Great app. Oh, yeah. great app. Chris, well, I I don't know. We'll we'll see how the uh, audio quality comes out. It's actually it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's gonna be crisp. Okay. Chris, I hope you have a great time in Vegas, my guy. Dope. I hope you feel better. Thank Evan, you. A thing to you as well. And one thing for Evan as well. Yep. A thing. One thing. Oh, one well, thing. Chris had a thing. He's going to Vegas. Oh, I have a thing. I'm still sick. And then one thing to you as well. Oh, yes. Um, playing football this weekend. Let's so go. I play football hey. every weekend. There we go. But I'm gonna I'm gonna continue my undefeated streak. Let's freaking go. All right, guys. This is Mockstar Podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. All right. Who's this?